Well, last week we began a series called Stepping Stones, designed to help us identify some of the things that we can do, steps we can take to move ahead in our life of faith and in our roles as disciples of Jesus Christ. We focused last week, because it was Father's Day, on the steps that parents take and the things that parents do, dads and moms, to help their children take those initial steps of faith. And today we're going to turn to um, another stepping stone, a step that involves our service to others by taking a look at um, Matthew's Gospel, chapter 25. Uh, There is a parable there that uh, some of you may be familiar with. Um, It's a parable about sheep and goats. So let's turn to the text. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty. And you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? And the king will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes, and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison, and you did not look after me. They also will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison and did not help you? He will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these... You did not do for me. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. You know, these kind of parables are hard. I don't really like dwelling on the Jesus damning some people to eternal punishment aspects of these things. I think there's way more for us to learn from this parable. It's more than a guide for attaining eternal life. It's more than a to-do list of the things we must do to go to heaven. It's more than a guide on how to avoid eternal damnation. That interpretation doesn't go far enough, even though I'm really glad that he chose goats as one of the animals because it gives me a wonderful way to jab my friends from the Navy and the Naval Academy whose mascot is Bill the Goat. But this is a serious parable, and I'd really like to talk to you about this this parable in a serious way. You know, when we read scripture, we need to learn to dig deeper, to go beneath the surface. 
We need to identify new and important revelations that God may be sending our way for this time and this place in our days. We need to ask more questions. And so this morning, I'd like to pose a few questions for you that crossed my mind as I was studying this parable. First, who are the participants? And you might say, well, that's obvious. The participants is Jesus as the judge and good people like us, because we're the church, we're the sheep. And then there's those bad people who don't do things for other people. So there's Jesus and people who are sheep and sheep, people who are goats. And I would suggest to you, while those are some of the participants, there's also a whole nother group of people in this parable. And those are people in need. The hungry, the thirsty, the unclothed, the sick, and the prisoner. When we look at the character in this story, we should see more than two groups of people. We should see a whole group of people who live together called a community, where sometimes some act like sheep, and sometimes those same people act like goats, and sometimes those people who are sheep and goats are also the ones in need. Placing our focus on becoming a sheep or a goat misses the depth of what we can learn from this parable, because the truth is, every one of us acts like a judge sometimes, a self-righteous judge, and every one of us is a sheep sometimes and at other times a goat, and at times every one of us has needs that need to be met by other people. On our good days, we care for the sheep. On our bad days, we look out for number one. On other days, we act judgmental about everyone else. But this isn't an either-or proposition. It's a lot like the dads we talked about last week and the parents and the adult role models. Sometimes we set a great example. Sometimes we set a terrible example. Most of us are a mix of the sheep, the goat, the good, the bad, the generous, and the selfish. The next question we need to ask ourselves is, do we respond to the needs of others at all? Because our culture certainly doesn't teach us to do that. It teaches us to be self-sufficient and independent. And then, what's worse, it teaches us to be judgmental about people who aren't able to be self-sufficient and independent. People who need help, some for good reasons and some for not so good reasons. So we appoint ourselves as a judge. But Jesus doesn't seem to care much for self-appointed judges, nor does he care too much for self-sufficiency. Jesus is all about being in community and relying on one another, relying on God, and letting God do the judging rather than us. But this wasn't a new idea with Jesus. The Bible has, was very clear from the time of Moses about God's priorities. In Je- uh, Moses' last big sermon or speech to the people of Israel before he died, he reminded them of this in Deuteronomy chapter 10 when he said, For the Lord your God is the God of gods and the Lord of lords. He is the great God, the mighty and awesome God, who shows no partiality and cannot be bribed. 
He ensures that orphans and widows receive justice. He shows love to the foreigners living among you and gives them food and clothing. So you too must show love to foreigners, for you yourself were once foreigners in the land of Egypt. What a foreshadowing moment this is. We look to the future thousands of years later, and we see Jesus telling people that God still cares about those in need and the widow and the orphan and the foreigner. But now, God's intention is for us, we, the church, to help fill those needs and be God's hands and feet. In the sheep and goats parable, Jesus was just reminding us of what God had been telling his people all along. So the next question to ask you, and this is the softball question. Everybody's going to get this right. Where is Jesus in this parable? Well, he's the judge, right? And when we look at Jesus in this parable as the judge and only the judge, we miss the biggest point, the point that we hardly ever talk about. Where is Jesus today in this parable as we try to apply it to our own lives? I'll tell you where he is. He's embodied in those who are in need. He identifies with the hungry and the thirsty and the sick and the prisoner and the homeless. He said, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. And in that important sentence, too often we focus on that word least and use it as a reason to think lesser of other people who have needs. But what Jesus is saying here is, I stand with these people in needs. When they're hungry, I'm hungry. When they're thirsty, I'm thirsty. When, I'm in, when they're in prison, I'm in prison right there with them. When they're vulnerable, I'm as vulnerable with them as I was on the cross. When they are excluded, when you exclude them, I, I am with them and you exclude me. I am in them and suffer with them. When you see those in need, you better see me for I am in them and for them and with them. These are important statements of the Lord and that's what we need to focus on rather than some day in the future when Jesus will judge and divide. Because Jesus is going to have a hard time finding one person who's a perfect little lamb and finding others who are always goats. We are sheep. We are goats. We are self-appointed judges. But what we often fail to realize, we are also those who are in need. Life gets hard for Christians. It's not a cakewalk. Sometimes we find ourselves living in poverty and we're hungry. We need real food. When that happens, our church tries to help with open arms, both for folks in the congregation and out. But many of us know a different kind of hunger or thirst than a thirst for water or a hunger for food that we chew and swallow. We're hungry and thirsty for better lives, for knowing God more, for having a personal relationship with God, for being reassured that we are enough and that God loves us. And there's way more prisons than the kind that houses people who've been judged guilty by our judicial system. Sometimes people are imprisoned in poverty, 
poverty they didn't ask for, and that's hard to overcome because it's generational. Sometimes people are prisoners to sicknesses, illnesses, with bodies that just won't respond to medication, but with minds who still want to be connect, minds that still want to be connected and part of a community and doing things. Some of us are imprisoned by loneliness or grief. We may have all the things we need in this world, but we don't have enough people in our lives. There's that need for community again. Some of us are imprisoned in relationships that are hard. People right here in this church today. So we all need to also realize that we shouldn't judge people who have one kind of need harshly because most of us have needs of our own that also require others to attend to. When that happens, we need to remember that blessing is a two-way street. And one of the ways that we work hard as a church to bless other, others is through our school partnership programs, and it always comes up this time of year, right around the end of June. And in the past, we've done this thing in August called the Back to School Jubilee, but we're going to change that up this year because the needs of our community and our schools have changed over time. It has become harder and harder to get families to sign up for the Jubilee. Um, COVID helped with that, but there's also a whole lot of places now where kids can go and get backpacks. So what we're going to try to do instead is to resource partner schools with the things that those kids and those schools need, many of whom have parents who never signed them up for the Jubilee. Our partner schools are going to be, at least for the elementary school level, Ponce and Frontier, where we're going to provide uniforms and supplies. And we're going to name this, this back-to-school, school partnership ministry something new, because it's not just a one-time thing. It's not just a summertime thing. It's a year-round thing that will show our community, our kids, and our school that we are for our kids. You may remember a few years ago we had a um, we began talking about being for Pinellas, and we did that at a time when too many people out there who who don't identify with church and who definitely don't want anything to do with the Christian church feel that way, because all they ever hear about in the media is what churches are against. And so this year we're going to recast our vision for school partnerships with the name For Our Kids, and it's going to include these things. We are going to collect uniforms and supplies for elementary school kids, and we're going to deliver them to the school. What we'd like to ask you to do is, in the lobby, there's some green sheets like this. It tells you the supplies that we need, or we'd be just as happy to receive from you financial gifts that we can use to buy clothes in bulk. They're a lot less expensive that way. We'll get the kids the uniform pieces and underwear that they need to have, but we'll do that in bulk. Now, when you look at this list, you'll see that there are some obvious things that aren't on it. It doesn't say crayons and pencils. That's because we have enough crayons and pencils stored in the back room from prior jubilees to last us for the next decade. So we don't need the crayons or pencils. But the classroom needs include things like tissues and Clorox wipes. They, you do lots of working at whiteboards now, so we need dry 
erase markers and glue sticks and Crayola markers, but not crayons. And I'm not going to read the whole list to you, but those are the things we'd like to ask you to start bringing in for our programs with our elementary schools. We will also con uh, continue our back-to-school um, efforts with our feeding program for Largo Middle School, which is called Pack-A-Sack. We provide kids at Largo Middle School who are likely to go home with no food in the cupboards, with a sack of food like Chef Boyardee beefaroni and mac and cheese and cereal and milk that doesn't have to be refrigerated. So they have something reasonably healthy to eat over the weekend. And in, um, in later in the summer, we'll ask you to bring those items. So what we're going to do in July, we're going to ask you for the supplies and the financial support for back-to-school elementary kids. In August, we're going to ask you for specific food items that we'll give to the kids at Largo Middle, who we fill on the weekend. And then in September, we're going to ask you to step up once again, and I'm talking to some of our students here when I say this, um, because we need students from student ministry to act as tutors, and adults to act as recreation leaders, and adult supervisors, and cooks for our after-school ministry called Jumpstart. Jumpstart is a program where we bring kids from Largo Middle who need some tutoring back here to the church. They do homework with tutors. They have a meal together. They have recreation time together. And for some of those kids, that is the only time during the week when they get a glimpse of God's love. And we're called to provide that. So as we think about this parable and we think about our service in the world, what we need to remember is that Jesus is embodied in those kids who we serve, the poor ones and the ones who aren't so poor, the popular ones and the lonely ones who get left out, the ones who go home at night and teach the English language lessons that they learned that day in school to their parents so their parents can work to be part of our community with a little bit more ease. We, Jesus identifies with the ones who don't have food or clothes or a place to stay. He identifies and is in the sweet ones who bring a tear to our eyes, but he's also right there embodied in the difficult ones. And I'm here to tell you, sometimes in Jumpstart, there's a few difficult ones. Which brings me to a story that I've shared once before in a message, but I'm going to share it again because it's so on point today. A few years ago, um, I was one of the adult supervisors for Jumpstart, and there was a really rambunctious group of kids who were 6th and 7th graders. Um, there was a couple wild children among them, and there was one little girl who was sort of a wild child and kind of sassy, mouthy, um, you know, I found myself judging her. She was difficult. I'm thinking, how do the teachers do it? Blah, 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 blah. And so I separated her from her little tutoring group because she was being disruptive and brought her up to the whiteboard with me. And we were working on math and we were using my cell phone for the calculator on it because we didn't want the kids to have their phones. And she saw a picture of my husband, Bruce, who had died the year before as the cover picture on my cell phone, and she goes, who's that? Is that your husband? And I said, yeah, that's my husband. She said, do you love him? 
And I said, well, yes, I love him, but I, I miss him because I have to love him from far now because he's in heaven. And she looked at me and she said, did somebody shoot him? And I began to get a glimpse of what this child's life might have been like. This child who I was judging. She blessed me with a realization that day. But then the next week we gathered together again and she didn't mess around with trying to work with her little table group or tutor. She came right up to me and we went to the whiteboard. She said, will you help me with my math again? And I said, sure. And then she looked at me and said, I'm sorry he died and that you miss him. You know, when we see ourselves as sheep who are providing for everyone else's needs like good and benevolent people, those who have helping the have-nots, we miss our own needs. We miss the way people who look different from us people who think different from us, people who are younger or older than us, might actually be Jesus in disguise, coming to bless us and teach us lessons about things that we simply don't have eyes to see. And so, as we finish looking at this parable today, what I hope you'll take away is we're all called to bless others. Some days we'll do that well, kind of like the sheep. Some days we'll do it very poorly, kind of like the goats. Sometimes we'll put ourselves on the throne, as Allison put it, and we'll pretend that we're Jesus judging other people when that's not our job at all. And sometimes we'll be the ones who get blessed by people who we never thought had it in them to be able to bless us. Friends, let's take the next step in our journeys as disciples, okay? We are the church. To bless and to be blessed is to live in God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. We're the church, and it's time for us to take that step. Amen?